particular that he's not well and hungry and Gary's kindly to be to take the services. So that's next Sunday. Another notice uh, preliminary for the 28th of January. Um, there'll be a combined prayer meeting at Market Street. We'll announce that again next week. And uh, let's see Brenda with us on the 85th and one day presence. <laughs>
like to take the word of God with me this morning, take our reading from the first epistle from Peter, 1 Peter. We'll begin in 1 Peter chapter 1 from verse 13 and reading through to chapter 2 verse 10. 1 Peter 1, verse 13. And it says this. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons, judgeth accordingly to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart, fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Chapter 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offence. Even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, which in times past were not a people, but now are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, 
but now have obtained mercy. Amen. And the Lord bless the public reading of his word. Let us join together once again with praise unto the Lord with hymn number 76. I sing the almighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. Hymn number 76. Chapter 5. Song of Solomon, chapter 5. 
we'll begin our reading in verse 6, and then through to chapter 6, verse 3. Song of Solomon, chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. And it says this, I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself, and was gone. My soul failed when he spake, I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. The watchmen that went about the city found me. They smote me, they wounded me. The keepers of the walls took away my veil from me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that ye tell him that I am sick of love. What is thy beloved more than another, beloved, O thou fairest among women? What is thy beloved more than another beloved that thou dost so charge us? My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among ten thousand. His head is as the most fine gold. His locks are bushy and black as a raven. His eyes are as the eyes of doves by the rivers of water, washed with milk and fitly set. His cheeks are as a bed of spices and sweet flowers. His lips like lilies, dropping sweet-smelling myrrh. His hands are as gold rings set with the beryl. His belly is a bright ivory overlaid with sapphires. His legs are as pillars of marble set upon sockets of fine gold. His countenance is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet, yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Whither is thy beloved gone, O thou fairest among women? Whither is thy beloved turned aside, that we may seek him with thee? My beloved is gone down to his garden, to the bed of spices, to feed in the gardens and to gather lilies. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He feedeth among the lilies. Amen. God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us take the time now to come before the Lord in prayer and ask for his blessing. Heavenly Father, as we come into thy presence, Lord, we do pray that you would help us. So often when we are faced with who thou art, Lord, with what is revealed to us by thy scriptures, Lord, we are condemned. Lord, we feel that we have nothing within us, no righteousness, no worthiness to be able to come before thee. But Lord, we do thank you that you have made provision for us. That though we were once blind, though we were once dead, that thou hast brought us from death unto life. And Lord, that not only that, but we now share a wonderful inheritance and an eternity with thee on high. And Lord, that we now can become thy children, Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, it is our desire that as we come before thee, Lord, that we would see him as our beloved evermore. Lord, that he would be the one whom we seek after. Lord, that despite what the world would have to take away the veil of us. Lord, we pray that nothing would stop us to coming and seeking our Lord in thy house this morning. And Father, forgive us for the times that we have not seen his beauty. We have not beheld who he is. And Lord, our eyes have been cast away and have been cast on the cares of this world. And Lord, and the lust of sin. And Father, we do pray that you would bring us back to a position of love 
Lord, that surely we might be those who are sick of love to seek our Saviour in such a wicked and evil world. Lord, we pray that thy house this morning would truly be a sanctuary, that we can come and the cares of the world can be cast from us, and Lord, that wonderful robe of righteousness cast about our shoulders, that we might come into thy presence, Lord, and we might just draw of thee, Lord, that we can see of thy goodness and of thy grace and of thy mercy. Lord, we thank you that Christ has made all these things possible, that we no longer come, Lord, in fear of judgment. Lord, we come to thee as our Father, the Father who attends his ear towards us, who cares for us, who seeks to bless us, Lord, as we come in prayer. Father, forgive us for the times that we have not sought thee. Lord, that our paths as Christians have been wavy, that we have been like a wave of the sea, tossed to and fro. Lord, may it not be so. Lord, we pray that we would be steadfast, that we would be of a single mind, that we would have a unity uh, within us, Lord, uh, uh, a devotion, Lord, to seek the Lord, to stand for justice and righteousness, and to know the truth. Father, we see about us, Lord, that there are many who are proclaiming Christ, who are wavering about like the sea. And Lord, we pray that we would help us not to be so, that our feet would be placed on that foundation of Jesus Christ, Lord, that our lives would be built upon the word of God which thou has given to us so graciously. Lord, that we would see it as something so precious that we cannot but endeavor to seek it, to mine it as it were, to seek those precious jewels and gems that are within the revealed word of God. And Lord, we pray that you'd give us a heart of devotion unto thee. Lord, we pray for thy church. Lord, we pray that we would seek to have such a unity that we find in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that we are now on a level plane, as it were, being brought under the humility of the gospel. Lord, that we would come together and that we would know that there is a unity and a bond that nothing else can give us as that which is found in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, even as a church body here this morning, as we seek to see thy face and hear of Christ, may you bind us together in love for one another. May we fulfill the law in our love for God and our love for our neighbours, Lord. Lord. That we might be pleasing and offer up great praise and thanks unto thee in our conduct and in our conversation. Lord, we do pray for a strengthening of thy church in this country. Lord, we pray for those who stand for thy name's sake in the pulpit this morning. Lord, those who faithfully proclaim thy truth, Lord, do be with them. Do give them thy spirit. Lord, may they never be those who compromise, who kneel to the powers of this world, but Lord, that they would only kneel before their Saviour. And Lord, we pray for those who, at this moment, is hearing the Word of God, who is hearing faithfully the Gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed, Lord, may you enter into their hearts. Lord, may we see a great working of thy Spirit in this nation. Lord, we know that we have enjoyed such comfort, such uh, ease of life, as it were. Lord, we do pray, Lord, that it would not have to come to such persecution for thy people to love thee more. But Lord, if it be thy will, help us to submit. Lord, we do pray that you'd help us to be firm and strong in our stand for thee. May we be those who deny ourselves, who pick up our cross and follow thee. And Lord, that truly with our lives we can proclaim that we are not ashamed of Jesus Christ, for thou was not ashamed for us. And so Lord, we do pray, be with thy church, we ask. Be with those at this very moment who are under the iron rod of persecution. 
Lord, we do thank you that you have found it pleasing, Lord, to enter thy church into pressure. Lord, that they would be in that refining fire, Lord, in the crucible, Lord, that brings out those impurities. Lord, we thank you how the gospel shines forth when it is placed under such affliction. And Lord, we pray that you would strengthen those, Lord, who currently who meet together in secret through fear of death, Lord, through fear of imprisonment. Lord, we pray, Lord, that the Spirit would be with them. Give them unknown strength, Lord, that is only found in Thee. And Lord, may the gospel go forward and may it abound, Lord, we pray. May those that are the hands of persecution, may they see the, the strength, Lord, and the stability of those who love Thee. And Lord, may they too be turned unto the light of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank You that we were once like them who despised Thee, who had our eyes closed, Lord, who were happy in our sin unto death. Lord, how Thou has pulled us from so. And Lord, as we seek to minister into this, this world who hates Thee, Lord, may we see them with the eyes of grace and of love. To be able to bring the precious message that changed our hearts, Lord, to, unto them. To know that there is more to enter into the fold of God. That the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is sufficient, more so, Lord, until Thy great returning, Lord, in, in Your glory. And so, Father, please... Be with us wherever we are this week. As we are equipped here this morning and this evening, Lord, we pray you'd give us opportunity to speak of Christ. We think of our families, Lord, those whom we love who do not know thee, Lord, who have refused thee time and time again, who have heard the sound of the gospel and yet there is no desire. Lord, we pray that you would plant that seed in good ground in their hearts. Lord, may we go forward in faith knowing it is of thy word which brings forth salvation. And Lord, may we faithfully minister unto them. Give us opportunity, give us wisdom, give us the words to say, Lord, as we seek to do them good. And Lord, we pray that we would see salvation come to our homes. We pray for our families, Lord. Lord, we have seen how the family is so pulled apart in this world. And Lord, we pray that you would unite us, Lord, as husbands and as wives, as fathers and mothers, as grandfathers and grand. Mothers, Lord, we do pray that you would bind us together, knit us together in love. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen the men of this church here and the men of thy church. Lord, to lead their wives in righteousness. Lord, help us to follow Christ, to walk in his footsteps. Lord, those, that those who follow us, Lord, our wives and our children and those in our church, Lord, that they truly would be following unto Christ. And Lord, help the wives and the mothers, Lord, to love Lord, to submit, Lord, as the husband and the father, as they sacrifice themselves, as Christ loved the church. Lord, we thank you that thou has placed us in every position, Lord, that thou would have us to. Lord, that we are fitly joined together as the body of Christ. And Lord, that you have brought us together with gifts and with personalities that are used to work together for thy glory's sake. And Lord, do help us, Lord, when we are given our talents, as it were. May we be those who invest what thou hast given us. May we be those who see that the times are evil and that we would redeem the time truly for thy name's sake. And Lord, we pray that we would see this world, Lord, with a heavenly vision, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, that we would know that there is joy set before us, unimaginable and unspeakable. And so, Lord, do help us to humbly go forward in this race that thou hast placed before us. So, Father, as we come now, do bless us, do be with us, May we truly be instructed by thy word. May there be no distractions this morning, but Lord, 
May we wholeheartedly come before thy presence, Lord, and seek to commune with our God. We thank you for this time. We pray you truly bless it to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before we come to look at God's word, let us sing our final hymn, hymn number 258. Two hundred and fifty-eight. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. Two hundred and fifty-eight. Let's pray. 
come to thy word. Lord, we pray that we would come with reverence and with fear. Lord, we pray that truly it would be thy voice speaking to us this morning. Lord, we know that thou art sovereign, that thou art good. Lord, that thou carest for thy children. Lord, we pray that this morning, Lord, you'd be pleased to attend to our needs through thy word. To be with me, may I hide behind the Saviour. And Lord, may he come forth and be exalted. In Jesus' name, Amen. 1 Peter chapter 2. And it says this in verse 7. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. He is precious. There are many things in our lives that we regard as precious to us. And there are many different aspects as to why those things are precious. Now you may be thinking right now of something that you behold or something that you own yourself that holds great value and is very precious in your eyes. Maybe it is something of worth, of monetary value. Maybe it's something of antiquity. It's very old. It could be rare or unique, a one of its kind. It may have some form of sentimental value to you. That maybe a, a loved one gave this as a gift to you. Or maybe it is something with such beauty that is something that you are pleased to behold and brings you joy to look upon. But rarely do we ever possess something that contains all of these qualities, that is bound up with such worth, antiquity, uniqueness, sentimental value and beauty. But we find that if we are those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have such a possession in him. That truly Jesus Christ is the most precious object that you and I can behold and can claim for ourselves. He has infinite worth. He has eternal antiquity. He is solely unique, wholly personal. And of course, he is infinitely beautiful. And my friends, if we are those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have something of such precious value. But rarely do we find that we behold these factors in which make him precious to us. So often we pass over these things. And yes, we regard Christ for who he is, but how often do we stop and dwell on his preciousness, on his value and his worth to us? My friends, if you are one who does not believe, then Christ has no value in your eyes. But will you come this morning and behold him as precious? Will you see him for who he is and what he has done? You see, through the words of Scripture... It is revealed unto us this great eternal discovery that changes the way that we live, that we act. It changes our emotions, our desires, because he is something that is so beautiful to behold and so precious in our sight that nothing else in this world compares. Surely it grows dim in the presence of his glory and grace. And so this morning, may the Lord help us to discover more of his preciousness in these wonderful verses that we find in the epistle of Peter 
And in chapters 1 and 2, we find several accounts of him being precious. That it is his blood which is precious. That he is chosen of God and precious to God the Father. That he is precious to those that believe. And that his preciousness is what causes us to move forward in our Christian walk and life. I don't know about you, but I quite enjoy the program Antiques Roadshow. And there's something so wonderful about when someone has brought something to be evaluated, that they have had no idea at the precious value of this object that for many years has been cast aside and there has been no attempt to see its value. And there was one particular man who had a plant pot, who stay, it stayed as just a plant pot in the side of his house for many, many years. But when it was valued, it was registered to be somewhere around half a million pounds. And for us, as those who own and claim Christ for ourselves, so often Christ is that object to the side. Yes, it takes place in our homes, but we never truly understand the beauty and the value in which we behold and we contain and we can claim for ourselves. And rarely do we take that value and that worth and preciousness of Christ and do we set it forth in our lives to be the means that drives us forward, to seek Him, to endeavour to come forward and to praise His name and to publicly minister unto those whom we love because He's the most precious possession that we can behold. And so let us start at verse 18 in chapter 1 of our text. The preciousness of Christ. And it says this, For as much as ye know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Jesus Christ, he is precious intrinsically. You see, he, of course, is part of the Godhead, and he deserves every honor, glory, and praise because of who he is. Even the notion of value and worth is subservient to him because of who he is. He is God in the flesh. He is the joy of the Father. He enjoys eternal praise and glory from the heavenly hosts. He is the creator and sustainer of all things and there is none like him. He is worthy of all our praise and glory. He truly is precious in his person. But what makes Jesus Christ personally precious to you and I is his blood. As blood is that flow of life to us. The blood of Jesus Christ is the, the flow of love and life to our souls. And it is only through his precious blood that Jesus Christ's preciousness is imparted unto us and given to us. It is the means by which we receive that preciousness. And he becomes wholly personal to you and I as sinners that we should behold the preciousness of his blood is to behold the preciousness of his person and have that great worth and value imparted for our enjoyment unto us. 
we see why it is precious. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, such as gold and such as silver, but of incorruptible, the incorruptible blood of Jesus Christ, we find when we come to things that are of great value and of worth, their great value comes from the fact that they are not corrupted. With gold and with silver, these are elements, these are metals, that they do not react with other elements so easily. And so they, they retain their great luster. They stay beautiful and they stay pure. And so when we think of redemption, and we think of a servant or a slave who has given himself unto the hands of his master because of a great debt, well, that servant, that slave could be redeemed. That they could be purchased back and restored to their rightful position as a citizen. And what was the best way to redeem or restore this servant? It was to pay by gold or by silver. Because these were incorruptible things. It was a pure and it was a whole payment. And the master would have been pleased to receive such a payment. Yes, there may have been payment of livestock and of land, but there's no guarantee with such things. Livestock can die. Land cannot yield, but gold and silver, oh, it stays beautiful. But when we come to the blood of Jesus Christ, oh, gold and silver, they are corruptible in comparison to his blood. It, the blood of Jesus Christ, it pierces through the physical and enters into the spiritual. It pierces that divide between heaven and earth and is set at the mercy seat in the presence of God. And there is coming a time when Jesus Christ, he will come in his fullness of glory and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. And my friends, our gold and our silver, it will not redeem us. You know what gold and silver are? They're elements. And they will melt with a fervent heat. But the blood of Jesus Christ, it endures. It continues on as a testament before God the Father. As a testimony between Him and the Son for what He has done on the cross of Calvary. And so when Christ, he has shed his blood for us and it has paid the price of our sin, it is sealed, the seal of promise. It has longevity, unlike gold and unlike silver. It is sure and it is stable and it is not corruptible. Mark 8 verse 36 says this, For what shall a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? My friends, we could own the whole world, but if we do not own and if we do not claim the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, then we have nothing that will stand in that day, in that day when Christ shall return and judge the world, or that day when we perish and stand before his presence of glory. My friends, we must come and plead the blood of the eternal, of the uncorruptible blood of Jesus Christ. There is nothing else. We see that it is incorruptible. But what more do we see from the blood of Christ? In verse 19, But with this precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. 
we find the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of the spotless, unblemished lamb, is a rarity. It is more than a rarity, it is one of a kind. It is unique. And there is no other redemption to be found apart from that which is found in Jesus Christ and in his blood. There is no other means. There is no other name whereby men may be saved but by Jesus Christ. And there is no other sacrifice we can come to that we can plead the case before God on high. We find in Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 1, there's a commission that God gives to Jeremiah. God has been telling Jeremiah that there is great judgment to come. And Jeremiah pleads the case of the people of Jerusalem. And he wants the Lord to stay his hand from great judgment. And God gives him this charge. He says, run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. And see now and know, and seek in the broad places thereof. If you can find a man, if there be any that executeth judgment, that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon it. Here, Jeremiah, he's running in the streets to find a righteous man for God to pardon the sins of Jerusalem. And can we imagine the heart of Jeremiah as he finds not a man? There is none to be found who is righteous, who is upright, whereby God can stay his hand of almighty wrath and judgment. The search for a righteous man was futile. My friends, the search of a righteous man today is futile. There is none that can redeem us, none that can save us, apart from the blood of Jesus Christ, the only true spotless Lamb of God. We are reminded, when we think of the Lamb of God and Jesus Christ's blood, of the Passover, how God told those of Egypt and of Israel, that I will send my sword through the streets and I will claim for myself what should be rightfully mine, the firstborn of every house. And judgment will come upon all the people of the land. And you must find a spotless lamb. And you must partake of it. And the blood must be a covering for you upon the lintel and the posts of your dwelling. And can you imagine the streets of Egypt on the night of the Passover. Men and women crying out for a spotless lamb. I need a lamb to save me from the, the wrath of God that's to come, to save my son, to save my brother, my family. The sword is going to enter into the house unless I find the lamb. But God made provision. There was lamb for all those that had faith in him. There was a spotless lamb provided that they might be saved thereby. They might enjoy the passing over of God's wrath from their household. Where was the spotless lamb? We need a spotless lamb to save us. And then a voice from the wilderness cries, Behold the lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And this is the sound of the gospel this morning. That the sword of God is at our doors. And it is only by the spotless Lamb of God which has been provided. And many of us have sat under the sound of the gospel and yet have not partaken of the Lamb that was slain. The only means by which the angel must pass over. You see, there is a wonderful passage in Exodus 
talking of the Passover. And it says this in verse 4, And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to unto his house take it according to the number of all the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. We find here that if a household had the lamb and had it and it was enough for the family, but it, there was also excess to give unto their brothers and sisters, then it must be so. And my friends, if we have partaken of the lamb, my friends, there's excess in the blood of Jesus Christ, in this precious blood. And we, we must endeavor to share it with those who are desperately seeking this lamb. But my friends, if you have not partaken, then there is excess, that there is sufficiency yet for those to come under the covenant of blood. Christ has not returned yet. The, the angel of death has not passed over yet. And there is time. There is time for you part, to partake of this spotless lamb's blood. It was incorruptible, this blood, but it was unique. And we must come to this understanding that he is the only way. Many of us, many of us have felt the sword of the angel of the Lord dangling above us. But yet time and time again have refused to partake of the lamb. My friends, time is short. We must not, it must not be so. There is no other means of salvation, no other sacrifice to satisfy the Lord. And so as we look through this text Verse 19, but the precious blood of Christ as the lamb without blemish, without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. And we see the workings out of those who partake of the blood of Christ. In verse 21, for by him you do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have been purified for your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, and being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you the outflowing of partaking of this precious blood of Christ. We see belief, purification, and rebirth. And he goes on to speak about how this has come by the word of God, the eternal word, the precious blood of Christ. And we see now, as we come to verse 2, a reason within us. In verse 1 it says this, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies, and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. My friends, if we have tasted, if we have seen that the Lord is good, and we behold him as precious, then he should be our desire, like no other desire that we possess in our flesh and in our soul. God is based on his basis the basis of his love for the Son, that there is nothing more evident than God's love for the Son. 
Isaiah 42. We read at the beginning of uh, the service this morning. It says this, Behold my servant whom I am for us is contained in his love for Jesus Christ upon him and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. The Father takes infinite delight in Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 1 we see how God the Father honors the Son. He honors him with power, with majesty and with dominion. He is regarded and exalted so highly by God the Father. And he is truly precious. But we see more so that he is precious in the sight of the Father in his person, yes, but in his work, in his accomplishments. He's precious to the Father when he humbled himself to become a man. The Father beheld him as precious as he fulfilled the law, reflecting perfectly the person of God. He is the Word. He is the living Word, the manifestation of God's heart set on earth. And in thus, it, is much, it was much pleasing to God. And through His accomplishments, the beauty of His only begotten Son shines forward. And as they share eternal glory, the Christ is beheld by the Father. And He is most satisfied, the Father, in the righteousness and mercy. God, His two great and eternal characters of graciousness, but of mercy, were fully satisfied through Jesus Christ. That God could not pardon sin and let it go without the shedding of blood. And of course that was found in Christ. And so we can receive mercy because our penalty of sin was paid on Him. These great, almost contradicting terms of God the Father fulfilled fully and perfectly in the work of Jesus Christ. And so now we can stand before God as if we were Jesus Christ, to steal the line from Spurgeon, because he stood before God as if he was us. And so now as God beholds the Son with such beauty and awe, then he can look upon us in such a manner. And as God looks at the Son in such a way, God looks at us in such a way, and therefore we now can look to Christ in such a way. We see this great accomplishment of Christ. This great diamond, this great jewel of the gospel, a wonderful mystery given to us. We see his work and his person. It was precious in the eyes of God. We must move on. In verse 6, in verse 5, let's continue. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, also, it is contained in the Scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. We find that Peter identifies the individual's view of Christ's preciousness is found in obedience. That truly, if we are those who behold and regard Christ as precious to us, then we will manifest that in our lives of obedience unto him. Many of us, 
we have precious things, as we've spoken of before, that we have in our homes. And we will set them at the foremost place in our homes because we are not ashamed. We are not confounded. or dis- We are not uh, ashamed to present these things, as it were. And to live a life unto Christ of obedience is to set forth our unashamed attitude of our beautiful Saviour. And so, for example, me and my wife, we have, we have pictures of our children in our living room. We're not ashamed of them. We regard them highly. They're beautiful in our sight. And we want others to see that as, we come, as they come into our home. Because our children are precious to us. And so with Christ, as we seek to live a life of ministry unto Him, to set forth His preciousness to us, to prove to the world that He is precious, the manifestation of that is a life of disobedience. It says there in verse 7, doesn't it? Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient. He is the stone that is disallowed. He's a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. And my friends, we should not be offended with the Lord Jesus Christ if he is precious to us. And how does that manifest itself? Well, we alluded to Mark 8, verse 38. And allow me to turn there momentarily Jesus has these harrowing words which divide the people that are following him and there is a great multitude that follows after him but yet many of them did not regard him as precious they did not see him as valuable he says this and when he had called the people this is Mark 8 in chapter 8 verse 9 excuse me verse 34 when he had called the people unto him and his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the name shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holier angels. If we are to be unashamed of Christ this morning, we must deny ourselves, we must take up our cross, and we must follow him. This is the only way that we can manifest the preciousness of Christ in our lives. You see, right before we find this great proclamation of Peter saying, Thou art the Christ. But then on a turn of a coin, the Lord Jesus Christ rebukes Peter for being the mouthpiece of Satan because he refused the message of the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Christ here is saying, If you truly know me, if you are truly my follower and I am precious in your sight, then you will not just say it with your lips as Peter did. But you will deny yourself. You will take up your cross. And you'll follow me. And these were serious words. The people understood what a Roman cross meant in those times. And many departed. And so how does that look for us? Well, self-denial. You see, the preciousness of Christ overcomes anything of worth in this world. And we will set him forth. And we will give up the things of this world for his glory's sake. We will deny ourselves. We will have a discipline which instructs us and moves us forward. 
We must deny ourselves the sleep sometimes, to read his word, to dwell in his presence, to, pr to pray with our families. We must deny ourselves certain friendships, deny ourselves a reputation because of Christ. We must deny ourselves our evenings to prepare, deny our inadequacies in teaching others about the things of Christ. There is much to deny in our lives. And it is the first stepping stone to following Christ. Why? Because Christ denied himself, did he not? Denied himself the presence of the Trinity. Denied himself the comforts of heaven. Denied himself the comforts of this world by being one of the lowest of the low of men. Denied himself peace and security. Not my will but thine. This was unimaginable self-denial which overcame the anguish of the prospect of being faced with sin, the prospect of the cross. And then we take up our cross. And what does that look like? The Roman cross was a final humiliation and a final declaration unto those whom you passed by. Oftentimes the streets were lined to see those who were carrying their cross unto their death. And it proclaimed that they could no longer lived the life that they lived, that they had been found guilty, and that now from this very moment unto their final breath, they were under the authority of Caesar. And my friends, when we carry our cross for Christ, then we come under his authority. And we declare to the world that our lives now, we are died to our old lives. That we can no longer live therein. And that from now until our final breath, our final moment, that we are under his authority. Not because we want him to rule over us as a tyrant, but because he is precious and for what he has done. And we will go willingly and we will bear our cross with joy in our hearts and a song upon our lips. And what is the last stone? We come, we shall follow him. Once we have denied ourselves, we have picked up our cross, the pursuit begins. The pursuit of Jesus Christ, this precious jewel. And it is no burden to us. And the more that we lay down our lives, the more that we sacrifice for him, he becomes ever more precious. Because the more that we cast away from the throne of our hearts, and the more Christ takes his place on the throne of our hearts, the more of his beauty we see the more of his person we will desire and we will want to pursue him. In Song of Solomon, as we read earlier on, we see that the maiden, she's looking for her beloved and there is nothing that is going to stop her. She cries out and she says, Have, thou, have you sinned, my beloved, unto the daughters of Jerusalem? And the men that walk upon the walls, they smite her, they take her veil, but nothing will stop her. And she describes her beloved with such detail. My friends, can we des describe our love for Christ in detail? To know precisely and accurately who he is and what he's done. And the cry from the daughters of Jerusalem, they say, well, where is he? She says, my beloved is in the garden. And what is he doing? He's picking lilies. He's down in the garden picking lilies. Why? So that he might adorn his bride. 
when we pursue Christ. We come to the garden of the scriptures, the garden of his house, the garden of prayer, so that Christ might adorn his people, that our pursuit would be ever more fervent. And how does he adorn us back in our text in 1 Peter? Well, in verse 9 it says this, but you are now a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into the marvelous light, which in time past you were not a people, but are now the people of God, which have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We pursue Christ, and he adorns us with those lilies of being a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, peculiar. We are the people of God. Christ truly is precious this morning. And may we, as those who have claimed his blood for ourselves, may we endeavor to see more of his preciousness. May we endeavor to sacrifice more unto his name for the pursuit of his beauty. And my friends, if you are one who does not believe, we see the the caveat to Christ's preciousness unto you therefore which believe he is precious. If you do not believe, he's not precious. Come, place your faith in him in repentance and he will be precious to you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the person of Christ. Lord, we desire that he would be upheld and glorified here in this place of worship. Lord, we pray that you would have applied thy word to our hearts. And Lord, that it truly would have equipped us. And Father, we do pray for the one who is yet to believe. Lord, may they come and see the great beauty of Jesus Christ. Lord, how his magnificence shines forth through the cross of Calvary. Lord, do we, that we might see him as worthy. We might see him as the ancient of days. That we might see him as our personal saviour. And in all these things, he might be precious to us. Lord, may we behold him. May we hold him and desire never to let him go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let us sing our final hymn together. Hymn number 135. I've found a pearl of greatest price, my heart doth sing for joy, and sing I must, for Christ is mine, Christ shall my song employ. 135.
Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Saviour, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. <laughs>